Welcome to the Stat Nerd Draft Report. My name is Connor Har. I will not be your host today, but I will be taking over intro duties today. We got a few guests with us today. First up is Milos Tejdopsic. Uh, a man needs no introduction. I have claimed him to be the Woj of New Jersey high school basketball recently. How are accurate, you doing today, accurate. Milos? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy to come on here and talk 2019, guys. Uh, I, I'm going to give this disclaimer. The extent that I've watched freshmen, uh, incoming freshmen, is I've watched their most popular mixtape on YouTube. So I'm basing all of my thoughts off that. That is absolutely amazing. And who will Rutgers' leading scorer be next year? Uh, we got Geo Baker come in, averaged about 11, I would say, last year. Went toe-to-toe with uh, Corey Sanders towards the end of the Big Ten tournament. Montez Mathis coming in. I really like Miles Johnson, big man off the bench. We got a lot of guys. We go about 11, 12 deep. So I'm hoping we surprise people get out of the basement. That's awesome. All right, now we have Ricky Skrika. Ricky is the newest member of the Stepian. Ricky, how are you doing today? And how does it feel to be in the upper echelon of draft Twitter now? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm quite there, but um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, and I'm really stoked to be part of the Stepian now. You should be, man. You do great work. All right. And next we have your real host today and newest uh, math teacher, Patrick Oxford. Patrick, I've been told by my sources in the San Antonio School District that you do some mean long division. Yeah, I'm hoping to uh, work some regression into the second semester of the fourth grade class. So we'll see what we can get. Sounds good, man. All right, so I feel like for the 2019 draft preview that we are doing today, we should start with talking about R.J. Barrett. So I'm going to throw this over to Ricky and see how he feels about Barrett right now and if he feels confident that we can start him out as the number one player in the class. That's where I have him, and, and granted, um, you know, I haven't probably watched as much of his high school tape as – uh, as maybe you have, but um, I'm I, at this stage. I just feel very confident that he's going to be some kind of a good player. Like I'm thinking of him currently as more of a high floor than a high ceiling guy necessarily. I mean, I am concerned about you know the, the overall like scalability of his game. I mean, considering that he's not like I, I don't really consider him like an initiator type necessarily, like a point forward or anything like that. But he's also not really a guy that you feel great about having off the ball. Um, just with the the not like he doesn't I mean I, I don't really consider him much of a shooter at this point I mean I think when he has his feet set he's fine for the most part um, and you know ideally I mean I, I know he works with Drew Halen so maybe he'll work some magic there I mean who knows um, I mean he's not it's not like he's his shot is completely broken or anything like that but you know the, I, I am a little bit whenever you're that type of a prospect where you're not gonna necessarily be the kind of guy who's gonna be ball dominant and piloting like a really really good offense but also isn't really an intuitive fit alongside a player like that. I'm going to be a little bit cautious, but I mean, I mean, I just think with like the frame, like the, the instincts, I mean, he's just got a lot of great tools that it's hard to see him just completely fail. So in this kind of a class where there's not really just a clear cut, like elite generational type prospect, like Luca or Ben Simmons or something like that. I think he's, at least for me, he's number one until someone proves otherwise. No, I feel the same way. I think that's a fair concern. I think that uh, 
his jump shot isn't what I'd like it to be. I do like it off the catch, and I didn't know he worked with Drew Hanlon, so that's probably a good sign. He usually does well with shooting development for young guys. Uh, Milos, your thoughts on R.J. Barrett right now? I will say, surprisingly, not the best mixtape. You know, he's good, but he's not super flashy. He's not dunking on dudes. He's no Zeon. Um, I, I, I will throw out a few other tangents. I think Ricky covered most of the of the well, who also coached Kyrie. And Kyrie had a similar sort of trajectory where, although he went to Duke and was a McDonald's All-American, um, in, uh, he went to St. Patrick's in New Jersey, and he wasn't super, you know, he wasn't the same player he was today. And he even took big strides in college where he showed a lot of skills that he didn't really show in high school. So I'm going to say that I wouldn't be surprised if R.J. Barrett follows a similar trajectory even though Duke is loaded this year and might, he might not have the same kind of opportunities to succeed. I really think that I would not be surprised if he just shows up and has a new and improved jump shot after working with Drew Hanlon and just a whole wealth of skill development that really just wouldn't shock me if he shows. Yeah. Hopefully we could bet on that kind of stuff to feel a little bit more comfortable about him. I think his overall production from just that standpoint of playing against top flight uh, American players and youth tournaments with Canada and playing with the Canadian national team and winning national championships with Montverde. I feel like you can't ignore that kind of production, even though he's not really the flashiest or considerably the best athlete in this class. Patrick, how do you feel about him? Yeah. The uh, first thing that stood out to me was his, uh, his precise footwork and his ability to uh, attack weak defensive footwork. So He'd kind of wait till the, the defender would kind of, ha- I guess, be off balance a little bit, maybe have the wrong the wrong foot forward, and then Barrett would just attack right at the right time, which I, th- I think he has great timing on his attacks. And his, his touch around the rim also stood out to me. I think that uh, he, he has a chance to be a good finisher there. I don't think it's a sure thing, but that's kind of the way I, I view him just from what I've seen. And his, his motor is something that, I think could be a tool for him going forward. Of course, it's easy to look like you have a high motor when you're just a lot more athletic than everybody else. So we'll see if that kind of persists. But those are my thoughts on uh, kind of the, the pros to Barrett's game. Connor, what do you think about uh, Barrett? I don't think you've given much of a, an opinion on him yet. Yeah, really um... – Ricky hit on a lot of things, like we said. I think he's a very good uh, slasher and driver. I think he does a really nice job without being an elite athlete with elite speed to sort of have a nice IQ to attack defenders and take advantage of, like, the smallest openings and get to the rim. I think he plays well defensively. I think he's pretty solid. I don't think there's a lot of positional versatility there, but I don't think he's going to be a bad defender by any means. Um, really, it's just hard to project with uh, until we see what he does at Duke because – at Montverde, you're not, he's not necessarily spending a lot of time guarding the other team's best player, specifically defensively. But uh, I do think that he does have a very high floor, and he should be number one until someone else proves otherwise. Yeah, I, I think that's a sound analysis. What do you think about Cam Reddish? Oh, man, I love Cam Reddish. I I don't I just I wish I could just like get through to him myself and tell him that if he played with some kind of urgency he would be far and away the top pick. I think he has 
all the tools to be a really good scoring option at the next level. I think he has a really good pull-up jumper, even though he doesn't always have the greatest balance on it. I think he does a nice job of making his dribble moves in like isolation situations and out in space very distinct and not over-dribbling and creating space really well. He has a great uh, frame and great height for a wing at 6'8". And his overall, just his overall scoring package is really something that blows me away, his ability to pull up so smoothly. And his shot off the catch is sometimes a little concerning, but I think what I've seen is when he gets, like, the necessary elevation that he needs, he's normally a better shooter. I think that sometimes has to go back to the motor and just, like, him being labeled as overall kind of like a lazy player where he doesn't necessarily always think to really elevate highly on his shot when his shot does seem to be a lot more efficient that way. But I think that he could easily be the number one player in this class just because his overall scoring package. And then as a playmaker too, I don't think he really necessarily projects as like a high level playmaker, but he does make some nice reads, some simple reads, not really anything too advanced, but I don't think that he's going to be one of these guys. that's like a ball stopper where he's willing to move the ball. It's just a matter of how efficiently he does it. Uh, sound insight, Connor. I, I haven't watched much of Cam as much as I'd like just because I, you know, I've been busy with my job hunt, sadly. But, uh, Ricky, what do you think about Cam? I want to, like, have him number one so badly because I like the theory of him so much. Um, I mean, uh, his shiftiness with the ball really pops out, especially at his size. That's, like, it, I think an incredibly rare skill, incredibly valuable skill. Um, I mean, he's a knockdown shooter when he gets to set his feet. Um, I just uh, – one big concern I, I have with him, like, aside from the motor, um, because obviously the motor is the main thing there, um, I, it seems like he can be really, really erratic trying to finish around the room when um, he, he's making contact because, I, I, I don't know, he kind of throws up some really wild shots, um, which is surprising considering, like, he's – a lot larger and more athletic and generally like a pretty coordinated player, uh, especially relative to a lot of his competition. So that's something that kind of, um, uh, as I was watching his film, that kind of stood out to me in a really negative way. I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to see more at Duke what his uh, at-rim scoring numbers look like because I'm kind of going off of a relatively small sample. I mean, like a handful of of games, really. Um, So maybe the numbers are – will look a little bit better than – than um, that would indicate, but um, we'll definitely have to see what happens with that. But overall, I mean, um, I just love, like I said, the theory of him as just uh, a really, really uh, tight ball handling wing with great size, amazing defensive tools. Um, I, I think his pull-up jumper looks pretty good. I mean, we'll see how much he can get it to fall, especially from three. Um, but, I, I mean, the motor really is just the biggest thing. I have not really seen him just consistently try on both ends of the ball, like, enough to just feel comfortable having him, honestly, in my top three at this point. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that that goes away at Duke and – um, and I'll finally have reason to really put him up there because, like I said, I, I love the guy in theory. All right. Um, I'm going to think that you guys pretty much, you know, mentioned everything, especially because I watched one Cam Reddish game. I watched one interview that Overtime did with R.J. Barrett, Zeon, Cam Reddish, and then his mixtape. So I'm not really the, the authority on Cam Reddish. But just speaking on archetype, archetype i never know how to pronounce that word um archetype i i think that long skilled wings are just insanely in demand and will continue to be as the nba evolves 
into eventually everyone between 6'5 and 6'10 who can shoot, dribble, drive, you know, attack mismatches. I think that the, his game is might be the ideal basketball player of anyone in this class. And uh, the laziness is obviously the one thing that's always been holding him back. And I'm not sure if that will ever – that reputation will ever go away. But I, I just think that someone who's committed enough to go to Duke, uh, be with Coach K, be with all the other high-end recruits, you know, get the be- some of the best basketball teaching you could get on the planet, and who's going to take that next step and go to the NBA, I, that, I guess puts a, puts, puts a good taste in my mouth. And I just think once you get to the NBA, there's a lot of guys who flame out. But someone like Andre Drummond had similar question marks with, you know, laziness versus talent and how do those two come together. Mitchell Robinson had similar questions. Obviously, they're completely different situations. But just two recent cases where, you know, talent has won out, even though it's very, very early to say for Mitchell Robinson. I just think that taking a shot on someone with such a supreme skill level and someone who is that sort of tall wing who can do it all, that's something that you're always going to see in the NBA. And I think that he's going to get a lot of chances to succeed. And as long as he, you know, gets his act together eventually and realizes, you know, who he can be, I think that he will succeed in some way, shape or form. Maybe not, you know, MVP candidate, but I really think that going to the NBA, a team really gets into him and, and makes him realize what he has. All right, uh, Connor, what do you think about Nasir Little out of, playing for North Carolina this year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that sticks out with Nasir Little is his overall motor level. I think he's improved a lot as a player overall, and I think that speaks to how high his work ethic is. And if his shot's falling, he's a really dangerous player where he's improved his handle enough now to where he can handle in isolation situations and sort of create a little bit of space for himself, not a large amount. But I think the real appeal with him comes on the defensive end where he's just so quick laterally and he's got great instincts. He knows exactly what to do on the floor. And that whole idea of Nasir Little being like this really good two-way wing is something that I'm really on board with. And I'm also really on board with, like I said, his overall work ethic and just continuing to get better. Because if his handle continues to improve and his jump shot continues to improve, he can be a he definitely can be in consideration for the number one pick as well. Do you think he's more of a four or a five? I would say more of like a three, four rather than a five. Um, I guess if you would want to, you could play him at the five in certain very small ball situations. Um, I'm yet to see how teams really react to this whole Houston goes with PJ Tucker at the five kind of thing and see if they try to downsize more often or not. But um, I would see him as a three or four. I think he could take advantage of a little bit more matchups at the four, but he can definitely guard one through four. Yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing about his defense. And I thought his, his hands kind of stood out. I think they're kind of – he's. I'm not going to say he's Kawhi with the hands. like He's not a, a future claw, but – I think he's got good enough hands that he's going to cause some problems for some weak ball handlers defensively. Ricky, what do you think about Little? I like him a lot. Um, yeah, Connor, I think, described the, the defensive upside and floor, I think, pretty well. I mean, he's got great instincts, great tools, uh, seven-foot-plus wingspan, 
Um, I mean, yeah, super quick twitch guy, lateral athlete. Um, pretty much got everything going for him there. I mean, obviously, uh, we'll have to see how that continues at Duke and, and everything. But I, I think, I, I mean, that North plus Carolina. the motor, there's not a lot to not like um, there. Uh, and his offensive game, I think he's got a little bit of scoring versatility. We'll see how the shot comes along. But I think he's got a little bit of post game, which would be nice going against maybe some undersized guards, undersized wings. I, I think he really popped in the all-star setting, which is always a little bit scary. Um, I mean, because that's always a very weird environment, and you don't really know how much of that is actually going to tr- translate to real basketball games. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, I, I like him a lot. I, I believe I have him top three right now. I haven't really thought too much about my, my big board. It just kind of exists right now. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I definitely like Little a lot. It's so hard to even, like, think about a big board i feel like at this point it's like you're i'm so early forming opinions on these players that it's just like a big board is just way out of my head at this point what do you think milos about little yeah ricky mentioned um he kind of pops in the all-star settings and that's the only setting that i've watched so he's popped off every time i've watched him whereas you know real games eh, who 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 cares come on uh, but I just think that um, so, someone with his size and athleticism and motor, that's something where having those kind of foundations of a skill set, that is very – there's a lot of opportunity to grow with skill development. You know, Russell Westbrook, uh, Victor Oladipo, OG Ananobi are all guys who came in as freak athletes and who have just seen an immense amount of skill development. So having that kind of floor – is really, really useful. And even if there's no skill development, just at 6'9", someone who can move as well as he does and who kind of has those, you know, you can see some defensive instincts, you can see a little bit of passing, you can see some some real positives to his game. I just think that he's someone who could easily just wind up being a 6'9 killer when he gets to the NBA and is, you know, hitting step backs and is doing all this stuff that you would have never expected three years ago. So I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I, I would like to see a little bit some of that, you know, development come through his freshman year at North Carolina. Um, remains to be seen, but he's definitely someone who who kills it, you know, in those all-star settings, like Ricky said. And, you know, his mixtape, pretty good. Not great. You know, Quentin Grimes kind of leads that category. Romeo Langford's up there, but in this year little, pretty good. Now we got to get to Bull Bull. I, I feel like he's such a polarizing player. I've seen some people – have him like not even in their top 10. I've seen some people have him in their top three. Ricky, where are you coming down on Bull Bull? I mean, I'm, I'm just going to wait till we see him at Oregon. Honestly, I don't have any particularly strong takes. I, I mean, I, I, like you were saying, he's like really polarizing at this stage. I know some people don't even consider him necessarily an NBA prospect, which might be a little bit strong. Um, I mean, super considering, strong, super strong take right there. Yeah. Well, not in the sense that like, Oh, let's not even bother watching this guy more in the sense that, I mean, like with like sort of his general build and lack of a motor. Um, and I mean, the super, super high center of gravity. It's just like um, hard to kind of imagine him as like a very good, like rim protecting center in the NBA necessarily. And I mean, obviously he has a lot of time to grow into his body and everything. So it's probably, that's, I'm, that's not necessarily a massive concern, like his defensive upside to me, because I'm, I, I mean, the, the tools are there. 
Um, he, his just movement skills in general are just so bizarre. It's like, it's, I don't really know who I can even compare him to. <laughs> it's just hard for me to like put it all together and figure out exactly how I'm going to value what he's potentially going to bring um, as sort of like a ball handling um, potentially solid defensive center. I don't necessarily buy the idea that he could be much of a switch guy um, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of just waiting before I form any very strong takes on him. All right. Well, then I got to go to the, the king of strong takes, Milos. I've got, I've got a fire take for this one. I knew you would. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a fact here. There has never been a player in the NBA who has had the same first name and last name. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, I don't know if that's a great fact. or. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that might not even be a fact. I'm, I'm just kind of going off the top. But I'm, I'm going to roll with it for right now. All right. There's uh, no I, fact checkers on this stat nerd <laughs> draft report. The stat yeah. nerd draft report has no fact checkers. No, nah, no fact checkers. Who needs those? Um, but I, in, on a serious note, I agree completely with Ricky. Uh, I just think that there is really no blueprint for him to follow in the NBA. And even though, you know, he's 7'2", and he's got some of those guard skills, he's got that handle, he's got that jumper. I, I've kind of been shying away from those wings who can't really defend their own position. Uh, I do think he's a wing, even though he's 7'2", at least a four. I, I think that the kind of the positional – basics of what you'd expect have kind of been flipped on its head recently. So I don't think that you can, I, as, even though I'm calling him a wing, I don't think you can really pigeonhole him one way or another. I just would be very hard pressed to find a situation in which even at his peak, he uh, contributes to winning basketball and can, you know, play both ways and not take much off the table. I, I don't know if he'll ever get good enough on offense to not be a mismatch defensively in most settings. Um, I also want to throw in there that he was a bad interviewee with Darius Garland at the McDonald's All-American game. You know, not, not, maybe not quick-witted with his head. Might, might come out to play on the basketball court a little bit. So all in all, those two factors, you know, neck and neck in importance. Uh, but I would say that I'm definitely not high on him. And if I had to put a big board ranking on him right now, it would be 76. Ooh, that is a hot take. Connor, do you have any positivism for Bull Bull, or are we getting more negative? Uh, no, you're probably going to get a lot of negative from me. Uh, I put him at 13 on my board, just in theory. And, you know, in theory, <laughs> he seems like a nice player. But to me, he reminds me a lot of a guy that I have watched a lot of in the recent uh, weeks as Marco Simonovic. And – Honestly, I probably would take Simonovich over him right now. I think the reputation and is just holding me back from really pulling him down in my ranking. I don't think he's ever going to be a switchable defender. I'd probably actually pay money to see him switched onto a guard for even like 10 minutes straight. Like a lot of money, probably like the price of admission for an NBA ticket. Um, and like he's just, he's so tiny. He's very awkward with his movements. He's real clumsy. And, you know, the idea of like a center that can like attack closeouts and obviously seven, two without even having like any kind of leaping ability, he's going to finish above the rim, but he's not going to finish through contact because he's so tiny. Um, and really, I don't really know what kind of mold you want him to follow. I never thought of the idea that Milos had where you'd have him as a four, which 
might be something that I'm going to look into. But I think that if he shows something at Oregon, we're definitely going to have to like take notice and see what he actually can do. But right now, I think that his tape to me just kind of makes me feel like he's like almost like a novelty player where like you'll see him you you want to see him because he's a 7-2 guy 7-3 guy that can shoot but like he's not really that high level of a shooter and he doesn't really do much else and his handle isn't like I mean it's good for 7-2 guy obviously but it's not like something that I could feel comfortable projecting other than just like attacking a closeout and like a straight line drive. Okay, yeah, I just, I just think the Simonovich comparison is, like, super interesting. Um, I, I think a key difference with them is, uh, I, at least in my opinion, Bull is, looks a lot more fluid actually getting to his pull-up jumper. Um, I would buy that from him before I do the Simonovich, at least, like, on an NBA level. I, I could see Bull doing that on a consistent basis more than I could see Simonovich, just in terms of, like, actually handling the ball and um, pulling up for a shot um, versus, you know, maybe picking and popping and, and spotting up. I think Simonovich might be better in that sort of a setting. Um, at least that's kind of where I'm at. I don't really necessarily buy Simonovich's handle all that much. But the more – yeah, I, I think I think you, you described that overall pretty well. Um, I, I, just the idea of Bull being a good defensive prospect to me, even though he is 7'2", just – I mean, the more you think about it, the more it seems just far-fetched due to the lack of real switchability, the lack of, like, girth, the lack of motor. And um, I don't know. He's, he's, just, he's just got a long way to go in a lot of different capacities. Well, I think those are fair criticisms, honestly. Uh, I think that he has a little bit more of a chance than y'all are giving him because I kind of feel like y'all are in, like, the not 0%, but, like, 5% chance he kind of pans out at – Especially uh, negative five percent chance. There we go. I was about to say, yeah, some of y'all maybe even lower than that. But uh, I don't know. I think I think he has like fifteen, maybe even twenty percent chance of being a rotational player. But y'all have probably watched more of him than me, honestly. So I think we're gonna know a lot more in probably what is it four months time? Yeah, four months time, we'll probably be able to speak a lot more confidently about him because he is really hard to read just based on like the size difference of his former competition so uh let's move on to zion williamson he's another duke player somehow they just have what is maybe the most ridiculous class of all time uh i think first thing that stands out obviously is is he's just a freight train in transition uh but he needs to improve his jumper and free throws milos do you think he's gonna be able to do so and what else do you think about his game um, I'm actually going to not drop any hot takes for this one. This is going to be at least a, a, a warm take. I am a big fan of Zion, Zion, whatever. Uh, just who because, knows? Yeah, who, who really knows? Just because I think that that kind of game, I'm kind of moving away from, from a philosophy standpoint of size really mattering in terms of positions. I think that Zion's going to reach his peak as a player as a five maybe even as a four, but I really think that he has to be a big to succeed. It's hard. It's kind of stupid for me to say this when, you know, he just graduated high school and he hasn't even played a college game yet. But just from what I've seen so far, if I had to guess, I would say he's more of a big. And I don't think there's a problem with that because with his skill set, he could absolutely be just a huge brick wall, set picks, go around the perimeter, just 
you know, cause mismatches, uh, roll hard, get to the rim, just dunk on people, grab rebounds in traffic, just go up, be bigger, stronger, faster than everyone else. And I think that he's not a three as, as, a, as a big, you know, more of that covering big guys, taking up less space, being near the basket. I think that's really where he's going to shine. And he's probably going to show it a little bit at Duke. It's going to be hard with Bolden. Uh, Barrett's not the best shooter. Trey Jones isn't the best shooter. I'm not sure if he shows it this year, but I would guess that teams are going to play him big more often than not. And I think that's where he's really going to get to shine with an open court shooters all around him, him just rolling hard and dunking everything in sight. I could see him as sort of that the lazy Charles Barkley comparison, but I think this is going to be as close as we're going to see to Charles Barkley in the modern game. And I think that him at the four, the five around shooters is going to be a very difficult thing for teams to plan for. Interesting about the Charles Barkley thing. I wonder how Charles Barkley is going to feel about him. That may be even even more interesting question because I think Charles Barkley may just adopt him as a son, possibly. Uh, Ricky, what do you think? I like Zion a lot, actually. Um, if I end up moving anyone to number one, that is not RJ Barrett before the season starts. It will probably be him. Um, I, I think he's definitely a guy who will look uh, potentially much better in NBA space and in an NBA offense than he will at Duke. Like, absolutely. I think him playing the five could be, like, absolutely, um, like, fascinating to watch. Um, he is only 6'6", um, or 6'7", something like that. But, um, I mean, just obviously the athleticism is the biggest thing that pops. But, I mean, the, the passing upside I think is super interesting. Even without the jumper, I think, I think a lot of people consider that sort of a make-or-break skill for him. Um, I'm not that fixated on it. I mean, obviously, if he gets one, if he can pull up a little bit or even just shoot with his feet set, like, that would be awesome. That would be that would be amazing still to add to his package. And if he had that, I would have him number one without a doubt. Um, but even without it, I think he's still a fascinating prospect. Um, I think, you know, I mean, Charles Barkley, I, I mean, it's sort of like the low-hanging fruit comparison, but I, I think it's uh, – somewhat accurate one for his upside. I think that type of a player would be absolutely like dynamite in the modern NBA. Um, so I'm all about Zion. Um, just a matter of, I mean, we'll see how much he's able to manage his weight and improve like his skill game, because I, I do think he has really good instincts that plus the athleticism, I think is a awesome package. Agreed. Connor. Yeah. I'm kind of with Ricky here where, not necessarily about the ranking. I have Zion at four on my board, and I have like a significant drop off between Barrett, Reddish, and Little. But with Zion, I do think I do agree with Ricky where he definitely projects well as someone who works well in the open court, works well in transition, which is two main things in the NBA, especially with guys looking better in the NBA. Um, I think what we didn't really hit on though is he's a really good passer. Like he's a tremendously good passer he may be if depending on if you consider um John Tate Porter a four I don't I consider him a five I don't think anybody else does but just in case you do I think out of the guys who project as a four and I project Williamson as a four he's probably the best passer out of anybody on that list um he makes some really good reads he's works well in transition I can't really see a setting where he fails unless he just completely can't shoot at all 
like in not even just threes, like I'm talking like just mid range pull-ups, like, and that's something that I think will come in time. I think that's something that he's going to need to work on. And it might not be something that shows up immediately. It might not be something that shows up at Duke either. Um, but I think that's something that will come in time. Uh, over, and then uh, what uh, Milo said, where uh, at Duke, he's not really going to be surrounded by the greatest shooters. Probably their best shooters, either going to be reddish, depending on how well he decides he wants to shoot, or Alex O'Connell, who's probably going to be coming off the bench for like 10, 15 minutes a game. So I think you're going to see a lot of the same at Duke now that Milos brought it up and it could hurt Barrett and uh, and Zion, where they don't have the necessary floor spacing that they really need. Like um, it's almost like the Kentucky effect that we see every year where you don't really have great floor spacing. So your players don't have the room to work if they can't really shoot as well. Uh, but yeah, I like Zion. I don't think that he's a bad prospect by any means. I actually think he's a very good prospect, but to me for him to be number one, in my opinion, is just a little bit too much for me. And it's probably because I'm higher on the other three than I'm actually lower on Zion, but I think he's a very unique player. And I think that he's unique for the right reasons. And I think that's, something that teams are going to take notice for. Yeah, I think that barring like a disastrous season at Duke, some team's going to take a chance on him top five because it's just going to be like he's he's such a standout athlete. Even I think in the college stand, setting, he's going to be a standout athlete. And that's just going to – maybe his size is going to change that a little bit, but I think it's going to be similar to, you know, kind of the hype that we just saw with Aiden and – Bagley, and because he because he's obviously shorter, it's going to be maybe to less of a degree, which is why I'm not saying like top three, even though it's a weaker class. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I have to, what he'd have to do. I, mean, I guess I it's not too hard to say he could just have a terrible, terrible season. But like, as far as the skills he's shown, I I don't see that he's going to have so disastrous of a season where he just falls off board. So. I'd say I might even consider him a high floor in terms of ranking, not in terms of play type, but in terms of in terms of like ranking, because the things he does I think are gonna be stand out. Stand out good. Okay, so this next name, I'm not really sure how to pronounce the last name, but I'm just gonna take a shot at it and then kick it to Connor. Siku Dumboya. You take it from there, man. I actually don't know how to pronounce the first name. I know the last name is Doomboya. Doomboya, okay. Um, I like Doomboya, and I think he's a pretty good prospect. I'm at five. I see a lot of people that put out early big boards that don't really have him as high, um, probably because of the shooting concerns. But I think his shot does look really good. I think he has the potential to be a pretty versatile defender um, and a very switchable defender. And uh, I think he comfortably projects as a four, even though he's a little bit undersized for a four, probably. But um, I think he has a really good game and a really nice uh, skill level. Um, Nice, just really uh, a lot of potential to become something a lot better than what people probably think he is right now. Um, I would have liked to see him, seen him on a larger sample size. Uh, Probably only got like, one or two games watched of him because his film was just really hard to come by. And uh, I would have enjoyed seeing him at the FIBA U20, I believe it was, but he, I guess he 
they didn't want him playing or they decided that he didn't play. So hopefully I could get like uh, once the season kicks off for them, I can get a better view of what kind of prospect he is. But right now I'm really encouraged with what I see. I think he has a lot of potential to be a very uh, good four man that can sort of attack closeouts to knock down jump shots, rebound well, and be a really uh, versatile defender on the perimeter probably being able to guard at least three, four, and maybe five. But uh, I do like him. I probably have him a little bit higher just because of how um, uncomfortable I feel about guys lower. But uh, the potential really sticks out for him to be something really good. And, Ricky, have you got a chance to watch uh, much Dumboya? Uh, a little bit. I mean, like Connor said, his film is a little bit hard to come by, so I'm not trying to have any like super strong takes on him at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm not super concerned about the shot necessarily. I mean, from what, I, from what I've seen, the mechanics look fine. Um, from a modeling perspective, his indicators are good. He's a roughly 80% free throw shooter, I believe, somewhere in the ball, in that ballpark. I mean, he's he's fine there. Um, the three point rate is good. Um, he's like at like five-ish per, per 40, at least, um, with his most recent season. Um, so I'm not super concerned there. I, I think he's shown some nice flashing pa- – uh, some nice passing flashes um, that I think are pretty intriguing. My main concern is I think his selling point is more so the defensive upside or the maybe even the defensive floor. I, I think he's generally considered to be a defensive prospect, but the production just hasn't really been there. And that really started to stick out to me when I was like messing around with like the comparison tool I have on my, um, my draft spreadsheet. Um, like the, the guys he was returning are more so like Chandler Parsons types, like just like sort of like scoring swingmen that like shoot a lot, um, which is, I mean, that's not really the type of archetype you think of with him, but when you actually look at his statistical profile, at least based on rate stats and um, percentages and things like that, that's actually sort of the impression he gives off, um, at least from that point of view, which is uh, a kind of a concern for me because I don't think anyone is going to be drafting him to be that type of player. Um, so, you know, um, he might end up – I don't think France has released their U18 roster yet, so – um, we'll see if maybe we'll get to watch him there. I'm not sure if he'll be on that team, but we'll see. Um, that would be great if he does, because obviously that's a very easily accessible film. Um, so that that would be awesome. Other than that, um, I'm just kind of going to wait and see to see if that production starts to tick up at all. And Milos, do you have anything to say about him? Yeah, uh, I feel like Connor and Ricky have really captured most of, of what I was going to say. My only question is, he seems, from a preliminary perspective, very similar to, to Nas Little, um, both big, long athletes who can defend. And I'm, I'm assuming that if, if we have Nas Little so high as number three, I know that there's been differences in exposure because of, you know, Nas playing the McDonald's All-American game. I think he had 41, I want to say. Um, and I think that if you – have a lot of faith in Nas because of, you know, the skill development that I mentioned and his motor, then it'd be fair to have the same for, uh, Doomba. <laughs> I'm just going to go with that there. Um, I, uh, obviously there's differences in their game and I'm not you know, equipped to discuss the nuances of them, but otherwise I feel like if you are high on one as of this moment, it's, it's very fair to be high on the other. And I just think that, 
you know, long six, nine athletes, you know, you can expect so much from them in terms of high floor and potentially high ceiling. That makes sense. All right, so uh, I want to move to some players we've actually already seen play some college basketball, starting off with DeAndre Hunter at Virginia. I think he's got a chance to be something special. I had him in the in my top 20 on my big board before he pulled out of the uh, draft because of the injury. I assume it's because of the injury. Maybe he, ne- maybe he wasn't even going to be in the draft. I don't know. I guess, yeah, pulling out of the draft probably wouldn't even be the proper terminology. Anyways, uh, Connor, what do you think about Hunter? Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, I think he's a very instinctual player on both sides of the court. Uh, His real value really comes in on the defensive end of the floor where he's a very switchable defender. He's a very smart team defender and uh, pretty quick laterally. Um, With his offensive game, I think he developed really well as somebody that we really didn't expect to do anything. And then he was working out of the high posts a lot, doing um, knocking down jump shots, knocking down perimeter jump shots, um, making good reads. Uh, I just think he does everything that you want him to do and is a very smart player. I don't necessarily think that translates to like high upside, but I think it gives him like a very high two-way floor. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I didn't wasn't putting him up I wasn't putting him in my top twenty because the high upside, like you like you were saying, it's the, the assurance of the skills that you're getting. Kind of like you know what you're you can have confidence that what you're paying for is what you're getting with Hunter. Uh Milos, what do you think about Hunter? All right, finally someone where I've watched more than just mixtapes. This is this is good. This is in my in my domain here. Um, I think that Hunter was getting a little overrated by draft Twitter specifically. A lot of the Stepien guys are high on high on him, where I didn't feel like he deserved the same sort of treatment. He was good, and he definitely stood out for a freshman. I believe he was a redshirt freshman last year, so a little bit older than the real freshman. Um, I, in terms of actual skills that he showed on the floor, he had a lot of, he showed that defensive upside that everyone is so high on. He showed some of those offensive flashes. He had a nice little face up game. I remember, I remember him hitting uh, against Duke, I believe hit two righty jumpers, one mid one three in the second half, I want to say. Um, and like, I, I'm, it's good that there's no fact checkers here. So no one can prove me wrong. Um, I, I just think that, Overall, even though I like that archetype, I don't necessarily think that the that it would been prudent to put him in that first round conversation last year, especially in that lottery that I've seen him in. I, I just think that he requires a good amount of skill development to be anything more than a poor man's PJ Tucker. I, you know, he's got that. He's got well, that. Well, admiral later. Don't worry. <laughs> I figured that was coming one way or another. Um, I just think that overall his skills didn't really show themselves enough to be in that first round range. And although the athleticism and those defensive instincts are good, I I, I wouldn't have put him in the the lottery, maybe that 25 to 30 range. I probably would have had him early second round just because I was a little bit more worried about um, age versus production for a freshman. I really think that if he could take a huge jump, this year and really show off next to um, as kind of the inside presence, I guess you could say inside presence. Um, then I'll be much higher on him. Uh, he's got that, you know, potential ceiling, the two way upside that I, I really value in wings. So we'll see where he goes. 
I mean, fair reasons to be uh, hesitant to move him up your board. Although it's good that you're keeping an open mind. I don't like you subtweeting me on my podcast about my ranking of him, though. Uh, <laughs> Ricky, what do you think? I like Connor a lot. Um, I, I think uh, I think you guys touched on all the main points with him. I mean, he's very, very good instinctually. The team defense stuff is what pops with him. Um, I'd, I'll be interested to see um, us get a larger sample of him shooting with a little bit more versatility i mean let's see what he can do off movement pulling up he was he was fairly effective there last season um i would love to see a little bit more of that i thought it's yeah you guys mentioned the passing out of the post um i think that's intriguing how much can you do on the move um that would be you know something that'd be very interesting to see i mean he functions i guess more as a four than anything else um which is probably similar to what he would do in the nba theoretically but um, how much of a more of a just straight up wing archetype can he actually be like uh, functionally? Um, not necessarily that's going to make or break him. I think he's going to be good. I was pretty high on him before he pulled out. I I honestly can't remember exactly where I had him, but it was I, I remember when I, I did a mock, I had him going to the jazz and I felt really good about that pick. So he was somewhere around there. Um, so in the twenties, I guess. Um, so I, I, I was probably not quite as high on him as some people, but I do think he's a good prospect. I think he's going to be good. Um, and I, I thought he should have just come out last year, but um, I'm definitely be excited to get a larger sample of, of him maybe shooting in more situations just to get a better feel for, for like the diversity of his offensive game. Yeah. I'm hoping he comes out with a big season. Ricky, how about you uh, stay on the mic and introduce us to John T. Porter. I guess I introduce us, reintroduce us to John T. Porter. I'll say. Well, I think if you're listening to this pod, you're probably already pretty familiar with Jonte. I mean, um, he's, I think, going to be one of the best players in this draft class. He was he was up there for me in last year's draft class. And, I mean, last year's a hell of a lot better than this one. So, um, I mean, is he a, potentially a top five guy? I think he could be. Um, I'm not quite there yet. But, I mean, I think he does have that sort of Nikola Jokic upside just with the, the passing um, on the move, especially, I think one of the biggest things when I first watched him that popped to me was just like his speed with the ball uh, as a big man, especially around the perimeter and DHO settings. I think he looks incredibly comfortable shooting the ball, like just uh, like almost to, to, to a degree that I don't think I've seen any like center prospect ever look like that in my life. Even maybe a four prospect, although it might not go that far um, for that position. But uh, I mean, overall, just the skill elements to his game, the passing is just absolutely incredible. And I think he understands things on defense, just doesn't quite have the athleticism or mobility to always be really effective there. But um, I think I'm probably preaching to the choir here. Um, so um, I'll let one of you guys take it away. How about you, Connor? Yeah, I love Jonte. Um, I do agree that I'm not with you right now on him being top five, but I definitely think he has the chance to be top five. I think that the underlying thing here is we know what we're getting with Jonte Porter. We're getting an extremely good defender, very instinctual, instinctual defender, somebody that probably has a little bit more switchability than he gets credit for. Um, a very good passer on the move. Uh, good jump shooter, somebody that can attack closeouts, just a very um, modern 
five without really standing out too much athletically. And that's what everybody wants to see this year from Jonte Porter is the athletic development. He moves his feet really well, the perimeter. So people think that that means that maybe um, once he loses some weight, he can, he can be like a good athlete, a pretty good athlete. And I think that's where he's probably should be trying to take his game right now. Um, he had the highest body fat percentage at the combine um, this year, which was kind of uh, interesting to me. Where um, and I also noticed I can't remember the exact number, but between his last game at Missouri and uh, his draft combine, like the measurements that they did, he didn't lose five pounds. I don't think like, but he lost like less than five pounds. So that's a little concerning to me. I don't know if he's just trying to go for like muscle but I think just the whole just dropping the fat first should be something that needs to be done before actually trying to gain the muscle that he needs but he's a really good player I mean athletic development or not I think you can definitely peg him as a top 10 guy and hopefully see his game sort of expand more to where he's a more consistent shooter I think he shot like close to 35 percent maybe a little bit under maybe a little bit over but um a lot of his games were like he's either knocking down two out of three uh, threes or he's not knocking down a three at all out of like three or four times. So I'd like to see just like a little bit more consistency game to game with his shooting. But uh, he's definitely somebody that I'm very high on and that I was still very high on last year. And I think had him before um, he withdrew in like my top 10, maybe lottery, maybe like right outside of the top 10, like 12. So I really like him. I'm waiting to see if he can start finishing inside on a consistent basis. But, uh, Milos, what do you think about him? Yeah, Jonte was someone uh, who I was a big fan of. It took me a while to really warm up to his game. Uh, towards the end of the year, I, re- I realized, along with the team, the rest of draft Twitter, just how valuable he was. Originally, I had a lot of red flags with his foot speed and you know his defensive potential but if you if you watch him he really negates how much his foot speed is a deterrent based on just how good of instincts he has a lot of times he kind of almost guesses where the offender is going to go and just moves his feet there in in advance uh he's got really good timing with his blocks for someone who can't move very well he always seems to be in the right place I'm a huge fan of his defensive potential at the five and at the on the on offense he is has the potential to, even though he's not much of a rim runner, he's not going to, you know, dunk over anyone in traffic like someone like Zion will. Just the fact that he's such a good passer gives him such a high floor. He could easily just dominate on short rolls and just, you know, pick people apart four on three, just hit open shooters consistently. His shooting numbers were incredible for a big man. He shot 45% from two on 22.5% assisted. So he was had such a creation burden to kind of score in the mid-range, and he did it really efficiently and the best of any big um, in the last four years outside of marketing. I think that his game, I'm, I, I would say in general, I'm not really a big fan of bigs who aren't mobile, and he definitely falls into that category. But I think that his instincts and shooting potential and that passing ability, just the way he, he feels the game, I think will make up for everything else. And his upside isn't exactly top five. I usually look for upside in the first five picks. Is Honestly, I don't see Jonte as anything more than maybe a, a two- to three-time all-star at best. And I feel like if you're uh, reaching for that top five pick, you want someone who has the potential to really be a franchise guy. 
Uh, but five to ten is really the range that I put him in right now because I it's hard for me to see a scenario in which he really busts. Let's go to uh, another newcomer, Trey Jones, brother of uh, Tyus, one of my favorite backup point guards in the NBA right now. Ricky, what do you think about uh, Trey? I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts. I haven't seen him a whole lot to feel really comfortable going super in-depth with him. But um, at this point, my perception of him is more of like a high floor guy. Like I think he'll be probably around as good as his brother, maybe a little bit better. I see his upside more so as being um, a high-end backup to a slightly below-average starter, below-average starter, um, point guard, obviously, um, which is just not really a super appealing archetype to me in the draft. I don't like – I mean, obviously I'm going to be watching a lot more of him throughout the season, but I don't know if there's a whole lot he could show at Duke that's going to change that – perception of him on, on my part I mean that's just not usually a kind of a player that I look for in the lottery just to, just because it's a really like fungible position um like backup point guards of around his size or uh, I'm not going to say necessarily a dime a dozen because he's obviously a very talented player it's just not really what I'm seeking with a, a high pick but you know like I said I, I haven't really watched a whole lot of him so um I think Connor might be able to speak to uh, the details a little bit more. Yeah, I really like Trey Jones. Um, I think he does pretty much summing it up like everything well but shoot. He finishes at the rim very well for his size. He passes very well. His efficiency at EYBL last year was absolutely off the charts. Like it was insane. I can't. I don't have like the specific numbers, but I'm pretty sure it was like eight assists to two turnovers and like just to put that into perspective but this like per 40 minutes I think and uh because I saw like a chart for it that I think Mike Gribbenoff put out and just to like put that into perspective I think Darius Garland was like 6.6 assists per 30 minutes and or per 40 minutes and uh like 4.4 turnovers or something like that so I mean and even with the EYBL guys this year I mean his efficiency doesn't even come close. I mean, his efficiency like blows everyone else's out of the park. But um, I think that he's definitely got more upside than Tyus if he does shoot. I think that he's a much better athlete than his brother is. I think he's got a little more like explosion at the rim. I think he finishes better at the rim, not necessarily above the rim, but he definitely has a more, I think a more developed body than Tyus did at that stage. And that allows him to finish through contact a little bit better along with like a little extra juice leaping. Um, I think he's a lot quicker with a better handle too. And then defensively, he's actually a pretty good defender. I don't think he's like overall elite defending on the perimeter, but I think he's going to be someone that's above average and someone that what you would expect out of like his crazy efficiency numbers is just someone with a really high IQ. Um, and then going back to his offense, he just runs the pick and roll really well. He's like, he thinks like one or two passes ahead of the defense every time. And that's really rare for a guy his age. Um, I still am not like quite sold on him being like an elite athlete rather than just him being, which well, definitely not an elite athlete, but like on his athleticism, more of just like comparing it to Tyus's is better. So I don't think that he's ever going to be a guy that's like a high level starter, but I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a guy that you just kind of like throw in. Like Ricky said, is just like another like backup point guard, but I definitely think that his, if he does shoot at some point, which I think he probably should, but 
if he does at some point, I think he can be sort of like, just like your average starter, like nothing too flashy, nothing too fancy, but can really just like run an offense at a high level. And uh, Milos, what do you think about uh, Trey Jones? All right. I've got, I've got some numbers here. I'm a numbers guy. I've got some numbers here. The last name Jones is the fourth most common last name in NBA history with 50, 50, 50 people with the last name Jones. Next, next fact, you got two of them. There have been 61 pairs of brothers in the NBA. Those are two very positive facts in Trey Jones' favor. And I have not watched a second of his high school tape besides his mixtape. And his mixtape was, you know, <laughs> you know, like a little, a little, a little uninspiring, you know, some nice passes, but you know, I'm, I'm looking for We come to you for, the, for these kind of numbers. Yeah, this is it. This is, this is why I'm on the pod. I understand that. You know, Connor's Can you name busy. 30 of the 60 Joneses. Ooh. 30? Oh my. No. I can't. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. I was going to say Tyus. There you go. We got one. <laughs> oh, Tyus. Oh, good job. Wait, wait, wait. You could probably just throw like random Jerry first names Jones. on there. Um. Uh. No, I think I'm gonna get him. I think uh, just off the top of my head, Caldwell, Damian. Charles, 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 Collis, Dante, Damian, Damon, Daquan, Derek, Dominique, Dante, Dwayne, Dwight, Earl, Eddie, Edgar. You know, off the top of my head, those are those are just a few that I. That's crazy that off the top of your head they're alphabetical. <laughs> yeah, my, that's just how my brain works, man. What can I say? <laughs> um. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hop back off top on topic real quick. Uh, I think that Tyus has succeeded in the NBA to some degree. And from what I understand about Trey, which admittedly is very little, um, besides the fact that he could potentially be one of 61 brothers in the NBA, um, it's that it's, it's hard to succeed. Tyus hasn't really gotten a fair shake of his opportunity. Uh, Thibodeau's kind of kept him in the cellar behind Teague for some reason. And Derrick Rose. Oh, yeah, and Derrick Rose is just now getting all these opportunities. It's especially it's harder if Trey can't shoot quite like Tyus because even though Trey is efficient, it seems like his his jumper is one of the more questionable parts of him. And although he might be a better athlete, he might be you know maybe a little bit better in certain areas, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. I just think that a jumper is going to be so vital. And and Connor's seems relatively confident. And it gets to be at least average, it seems. So uh, I'd be a little bit higher on him then. But overall, I'm not a big fan of point guards in general unless they jump off the page like Trey Young did to me last year. And even Sexton, who I had 12 on my big board. But otherwise, just average point guards, if you don't have the potential to, to really make it to the next level and, and improve a team immensely, I'm not really high on your chances in the NBA. So I, I'm kind of questionable about, about uh, Trey. I do hope he gets to the next level. We can have 51 Joneses. Could make a run at Williams for the most common last name, only 19 away. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're hoping for all the Joneses, honestly. Let's move on to Quentin Grimes from Kansas. Shout out to a, a Houston school, Woodlands College Park that he's from. Connor, what do you think about Grimes? I, I, I think I recall you talking about him. Yeah, um, first I have a question for Milos before I talk about Grimes. Did you – watch my scouting video on Quentin Grimes on YouTube as part of your mixtape. Um, let, let me ask this. Did you put in a really nice catchy song that would bass drop when he does something cool? <laughs> I have no music. I'm not that far along in video editing. <laughs> well, Connor, I'm sorry to disappoint you here, but I did not watch it. Hey, all of my videos have catchy music. They do. 
but uh yeah uh he was he played really well at the uh, FIBA I believe it was what was it Ricky what was it was it U18 or U19 one of those Americas um but uh anyways I was, I was sorry I was on mute <laughs> no you're good um I was talking to Ricky about this and uh we talked about how uh really like just the competition at that tournament was so poor even compared to like because I love I love watching FIBA youth ball but the competition at that tournament was just so poor compared to even any other event there were really like your best player outside of Andrew Nebhard was probably like a three was probably like George Condit who was like a three-star recruit going to Iowa State not to say there's anything wrong with George Condit he's a decent player but the competition there seemed like a lot lower than what it really was and I think it made more guys pop better than that they necessarily would and with Grimes his performance was kind of unique where he came in with like a really high level reputation of like this really good scorer and this really uh bouncy athlete and a pretty good shooter but um he really just stood out to me playmaking wise he ran the pick and roll very well um he made great reads in transition great outlet passes and stood out on the defensive end is probably like 1b to kobe white's 1a as one of their better defenders i was a little disappointed in his overall scoring package where i felt like he didn't really shoot it as well as he should have and he shot it off i think he shot it off mid-range pretty well and he finishes well for his size because he does have pretty good leaping ability and good overall strength but um he didn't really create a whole lot of separation which is something that concerns me and we'll probably get into that when we talk about other freshman guards but if you can't if you're supposed to be like this a reputation is like a really good scorer and you can't create a whole lot of separation I'm not really sure what you translate with at the next level if you can't create separation on FIBA youth competition so we'll see how that works out I think his playmaking is definitely something to track if it comes out at Kansas at all because their roster is absolutely loaded I'm not sure how many chances we'll get to do that but um if he does play make really well and he's somebody that shows the ability to run the pick and roll and make skip passes and just read the defense very well like he did at FIBA I think that that's definitely something to be aware of where if he sort of develops a little bit better of a handle and slightly more shake off the dribble that we could talk about him possibly being like a secondary ball handler, sort of like initiating an offense at some point in his prime. But I think that's still like pretty far away. But I think that um, it's something that I need to go back on to. But his high school, I, you can speak on this better than I can, Patrick, but I felt like his high school, um, they didn't play the best competition as far as just like on a national landscape, like compared to like all the other McDonald's All-Americans, like you're going to Montverde or even like Roselle Catholic or Hudson Catholic Prep, like those schools seem to play higher level schools. I could be wrong, but That's likely maybe true. what? That's likely true. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think maybe that made him pop a little bit more than he should, but he's definitely somebody that deserves one and done consideration, but I'm definitely going to have to go back and rethink my ranking of him because I put him top 10, but I'm kind of curious to see how Ricky feels about the whole conversation we had with just like the overall lower competition at FIBA. Yeah. I don't know how much there really was to take away from that performance. I mean, 
uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I wasn't really, like, super impressed. Like, he has some defense defensive potential, like, given his size and, like, athleticism profile. But I think his motor is pretty inconsistent. Um, I don't really see, like, the overall, like, team defense awareness there on a consistent basis either. Um, that's going to be stuff worth tracking, like, going forward as well, obviously. I think the playmaking creation upside that – um, you know, that's obviously intriguing as well. Um, I think he could maybe be a pretty good positional rebounder um, just because I think he gets off the ground pretty quickly is a pretty solid second jump. Plus um, he's, he's built pretty, he is a pretty solid build. So I think that could be, maybe be a production Avenue for him, but yeah, overall, I mean, uh, if he can, I, I'm not sure how much I buy the, the pull-up shot um, as well. I think he needs a little bit of space to get it off. It's got a little bit of a lower release point. Um, so I'm not, he's not really a guy I'm like super enamored with, but again, I mean, for most of these guys, I'm reserving the right to, to change my opinions as we get through the, through the college season and everything. Cause, um, overall I have pretty limited samples on most of these guys. You actually signed the right to change your opinion away from being on this podcast. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> you're right. Game, you're right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Milos, what do you think about Grimes? From your hoop mixtape viewing, yeah, great hoop mixtape. Um, he shows a lot of handle, a lot of shake. You know, crossing dudes up. They're all they all seem to be you know average six foot white dudes. So not nothing too spectacular there. But you know they're falling all over the place. It's pretty good. He's dunking. You know, shows a lot of shows a lot of potential. Uh, I will say though, best hoop mixtape of all time, Marcus Lovett. I'm really not accepting another argument. Um, just had to throw that out there. Uh, another thing is uh, Grimes is one of the youngest prospects, I believe, sort of that Jaron Jackson where he's a year younger than everyone else. Um, they mentioned uh, – Ricky and Connor mentioned he played uh, U18 um, with a lot of the class of uh, 19 guys, I believe. Um, and one of my boys was a manager for uh, USA Basketball. Shout out Will DeSabatino. Um, got scouts all over the place. You know, Jersey runs deep. And he was saying that Grimes was the best one out there, better than Cole Anthony on a consistent basis in, in a lot of the workouts. Whoa. So, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think that uh, Connor is on the, the Cole Anthony train. If, is, that, is that correct? I am manning the Cole Anthony train. Me and Greg going all the way. Number one pick, number one pick of 2020. All right. Um, I'm gonna. I need to find an, another bandwagon to get on, and we our bandwagons can go toe to toe. So I gotta. I gotta start scouting 2019 guys, I guess. Uh, but overall, I mean, just I'm. Uh, I think Ricky kind of mentioned how it's tough to have in uh, firm opinions at this point. But I'll always bet on youth and skill going to Kansas with Bill Self, um, and I'll, I'll I'll trust my scouts. I'll trust my sources. So. We'll see. I, I'm probably sounds collectively a little bit higher on him than everyone else here, but we'll see. I was very higher Grams until I thought uh, until me and Ricky had that conversation. I really just for some reason my mind didn't put it in context that that FIBA competition was not very good at all. All right, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and throw off or throw it off to each of y'all. Two names each. Make your case for each name if you want. And uh, we'll get some conversation going on those, and then we'll wrap it up from there. I'll start it off. Obviously, y'all knew this name was coming up, just coming in. My boy, Admiral Schofield, think that maybe he can be the next P.J. Tucker, which is the case I'm going to make. 
I think that uh, defensively he does have some work to do as far as using his body more effectively, not fouling as much because he took himself out of some games with uh, his propensity to foul. So he needs to figure that out a little bit. But the instincts are absolutely there. Uh, rebounding the ball and anytime the ball is a loose ball, he's like a hawk getting to it. He's got active hands and he's not afraid to throw his body in there because he's got so much body to throw. And shooting the ball, he's made huge developments, I think. And he's stretching his, his range already out to NBA range on a consistent basis. Okay, so that's my that's my spiel on Schofield. Uh, Connor, tell me why I'm wrong on Admiral. Honestly, I don't hate it. Um, the Tucker comparison seems a little hard to buy. Um, I... I could see it in theory, but I feel like you'd have to feel, which you obviously do, I feel like you'd have to feel pretty confident about his, like, 75th, 80th percentile outcome, which still is probably me being a little bit generous in my opinion. Um, so what are your doubts? What are your doubts? Is it his jump shot or his ability to defend on the perimeter? Um, mainly defending on the perimeter. Okay, that's fair. Not, um, not as much the jump shot. I don't mind the jump shot. I don't think he shoots it ever at, like, an extremely high level, but I definitely think he can be, like, slightly above average there. Yeah, I think I don't think you need him to be, like, a 40-plus percent three-point no. shooter to have value. Honestly, as long as he can make corner threes on a consistent basis, which I think is well within his wheelhouse, I think he has some kind of value offensively. But if you're looking for creation, and he did show, I guess, the occasional flash. He doesn't have the creation that I think a lot of people look for. Ricky, your thoughts on Admiral? I like Admiral a lot. I think um, we had a conversation about him on Twitter. Um, we did. Jackson Hoy chimed in a little bit and raised an interesting point I thought about. Um, like a lot of his mass is upper body, which is a little bit of a concern for me, especially as it relates to defending on the perimeter, how it affects his center of gravity ability to like stay down in a stance and like maximize his lateral movements. I, I think that is a little bit of a concern, but I still do really like him as a prospect. Um, I, I do buy the shot. I mean, the indicators are there. Um, I think he showed a, l- a little bit off movement too, which I think was pretty interesting. Um, I think it'll be nice to get another season of him to uh, maybe get those samples a little bit larger, of course, but I am pretty high in him. I think I had him probably the highest I had him at any point was like in my top 20 range. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty interested in him as like a three and D archetype guy. I, I think you kind of hit it on the money with, I, I don't necessarily need him to be some sort of ridiculous, like gravitational threat, like, coming off of pin downs and stuff. I mean, I think if he can hit corner threes and, and maybe uh, fill out his lower body a little bit more and kind of improve his, I, I guess, mobility and overall versatility defensively, I think he could be a really, really awesome. When I wrote the article on him, I uh, touched on him losing weight. I, I, like, I like the idea of moving the mass more now that, now that you know, you and Jackson Hoy kind of both think, both point out that it is kind of a top-heavy uh, prospect, or he is a top-heavy prospect. So, I, I do, I do buy into that moving the mass to to more efficient locations on his body. What do you think about him, Milos? Yeah, I think that everyone did a really good job of touching on everything I was going to say. Uh, I'm definitely not as high on him as you are, Patrick. I don't think anyone in the world is. Even Admiral, <laughs> he won't give me an interview though. Sadly. Oh wait, you've like talked to him about it. Well, I, I, I sent him a message on Twitter. 
Because <laughs> uh, he liked the article I wrote. Oh, and then he didn't need to follow up. I, I, that sucks. But um, I, I will say that I, I agree that his defensive versatility, although it, it provides some value in the fact that he can switch, at least in the college level, I'm very worried about that mass problem and how well he moves his feet. Just seems a little bit rugged uh, is the best way I can describe his movements. It seems like he's a little bit too slow. I don't want to say slow to react, but he kind of chops his feet a little bit from what I've watched of him. I feel like he definitely needs to hit that 75 percentile outcome that Connor mentioned to really get in that P.J. Tucker range where he uses that frame as a positive rather than um, occasionally having it be a negative when he just gets blown by. Haven't seen too much of it because he kind of played more of the four at Tennessee, but it's it's a concern for me. Uh, the shooting this this year seemed to be his breakout year shooting the basketball. I'm always a little bit concerned about that. See how fluky that is. Keita Bates Diop was another one uh, last year who kind of had the same out of nowhere shooting season. So I, I'd like to see where that goes this year to see um, if that can stay. If that remains as him being a knockdown shooter, I think he hit. Um, I'm not a. We don't have a fact checker, so I'm just going to throw out 39%. Sure, that sounds about right. It was right about that. Yep. All right. Um, I, it just leaves me with a lot of question marks. I'd like to see if he can answer some of them this year. Um, if he can, I still don't uh, really know how that the tweener situation is going to work with him. I'm, I'm very hypocritical for just saying how I don't think positions really matter with size, but I think that's someone who he's someone who it might hurt. Uh, overall, if, if he answers all my questions, I'll have him as a first rounder. Uh, those three and D archetypes and guys who play hard and hustle their asses off. There's always a place for them. I'm just worried that he, his median outcome isn't someone who adds value quite the same way as a PJ Tucker, which is his comparison. And overall, he's just a, a sort of a bench piece. Definitely fair criticisms. Yeah. I, I don't think PJ Tucker is like the 50th percentile, but if he was, if, if I did think that I'd probably have him in the lottery just because I think PJ is an extremely valuable piece on any team that wants to have a chance at winning. And if you could get PJ for the first seven years of his not in real NBA career, but the player he is now, if you get seven years of that player young, I think that's something you have to jump on. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with y'all that it, it being more of a 75th percentile or higher uh, outcome. So the next name I'm going to throw out Cassius Winston from Michigan state. He looked really impressive to me this past season, but he's got a lot of work to do with much uh, lesser weapons around him this year. He didn't have Bridges. He didn't have Jaron Jackson. Uh, so it's going to be him and uh, um, blanking on the Nick Ward. Nick Ward. Him and Nick Ward's time to shine, I suppose, this season. Connor, I don't think that you're as high on Winston as I am. What do you think about him? No, I'm not. Um well, actually, I don't really know what we're defining as high here. But um, he's not in my top 30 if we're calling that, like, that high on him. But, uh, I'm not I even sure what my top 30 is at this point, to be honest. <laughs> I definitely think uh, – well, mine's, mine's still, like, a baseline. Like, I, I'm not really going to feel comfortable until, like, I actually decide to release something. But uh, with Winston, I do like him. I don't think that necessarily him having the weapons um, – that he had is going to be a very big problem for him. And a lot of his big games with Michigan state, he was really ball dominant. And um, and not to say there's anything wrong with that, but uh, it didn't seem like 
that he really needed those weapons around him in order to make good passing reads and be a really good pull-up shooter and just um, be a very smart player. And I think that he's got a pretty good handle. I think that he's going to play off the pick and roll a lot. And hopefully he has the necessary shooters around him to get the space he needs. Um, I don't and here's it's the same thing that worries me with every like tiny like smaller point guard and it was one of the things that worried me with uh Shimori Pons was um if you're not if you're like six foot somewhere between like the six foot to six two range and you're not like an elite athlete and have elite speed or is it or an elite leaper like you're gonna have a really tough time finishing at the rim and not necessarily that that's going to be something he has to do at a high level because I really only think he's probably a backup in theory at his best chance. But he's definitely got a lot of appeal. Is a really nice has a really nice pull up shot and works well out of the pick and roll. Yeah, his man shot like fifty percent from three last year. So while I agree with you, he's not a starter. I think he could have some value as a backup. What do you think, Milos? Yeah, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but. It's hard for me to really fall in love with, with point guards if they're not bringing star equity, at least as a first-rounder. Uh, Cassius Winston does a lot of things really well for me to want to like him in the second round, just historically efficient. Um, like you mentioned, 50% from three almost, shot 90% from the line, almost seven assists. He does so many things well, but because of a lot of his deficiencies, I don't think – that I would be willing to invest draft capital in him when I could take similar shots on long wings or, or potential, you know, starter type pieces that you could get in the second round, potentially. Uh, we touched on a few of them last podcast, you know, guys like Duval, the Melvin Frazier, just, I just think wings are so much more of an importance in today's game that I, I would much rather take a shot on one of them than get someone who caps as a backup point guard. You you can really find a lot of these similar guys in the G League and get them on team friendly contracts for for a long time as compared to maybe maybe taking a shot on someone who I think could overall impact the game more in the coming years. So I want to like Cassius Winston and I've seen a lot of him to like him. I'm just a little bit worried as to how much of an impact he really has as compared to other guys of his skill level. It it really comes down to. I think if you think he can be one of the top backup point guards, which I think has value, as opposed to middle-of-the-pack backup point guard, if you're getting like a Fred Van Vliet, I think that you definitely have to think at least twice about maybe taking him. If not the end of the first, the beginning of the second is kind of where I, I kind of have him. I think Connor had Connor, when he identified the top 30, I think that's – probably pretty close to where I have him. Uh, Ricky, what do you think about him? Um, I'll, I'll keep it pretty concise. I don't really have him uh, much on my radar as like a serious prospect. Um, I mean, for I, mean, I mentioned some of like the philosophical stuff for me with Trey Jones. I just don't think that's a guy like that I'm super interested in in his draft necessarily just because that role he would play, which like his highest possible upside being like solid backup point guard. I, I just don't think that's necessarily worth using a draft pick on most of the time. I mean, he's obviously like an elite shooter, but there are the finishing at the rim concerns there. He's, he's, I think six feet flat. I, I, I I'm not sure his height yeah. off the top of my head, but he's like 
very undersized, obviously. Um, I mean, he could be a player of the year candidate, I think, next season easily. But um, as far as, like, NBA goes, I just don't really – I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what he could possibly do to really, like, make me think he's worth a draft pick at this stage. I mean, then again, it is, like, a pretty weak class. So as I start to, like, actually fill out my board and really think about it, maybe he'll make it in there. I, I'm just not really a guy I'm super interested in. Yeah, I think after shooting 50% from three, if he doesn't make it on your board, there's not much you can do after that, man. All right, uh, Connor, how about you give us uh, one of your two names to uh, close out – or not close out in terms of Ricky and Milos not getting names, but close out your portion. Well, just like Patrick can't go a podcast without bringing up Admiral Schofield. I can't William go McDowell a podcast. White. Thank you. <laughs> I called it. got to say it. Yeah, um, back on him again. He's back for another year. Um, no idea where he's going to be playing at next year, if he's going to be staying with the Bombard program or not, or if they decide they want to move him up or not. Um, still, again, 6'5 point guard, um, pretty much an even wingspan, which is a downside. But uh, arguably, in my opinion, was the – second best, third best after Doncic and Young passer last year in the class. And I think that uh, he comes in this year as the absolute best passer. And um, a lot of his defensive concerns were settled with me with him being able to guard Troy Brown on the perimeter when I saw him live at uh, his pro day. I'm interested to see how his shot develops. He was kind of like reforming his shot, trying to make it a little more smoother. That was one of the gripes that people had with him a lot is that especially when he was like pulling up he didn't always have the same form on his shot so um it looks a little bit smoother but um I'm interested to see how it goes I think if he's somebody that can shoot at like a 35 percent level and he plays and if he gets minutes with Bomber Bros Bomberg in the EuroLeague and he plays really well there I think that you're at the point now where you probably can't ignore his production and I know a lot of people think that, like, backup point guards are like a dime a dozen. But to me, having, like, a 6'5 lead guard that can come in and run your offense for 15 minutes and get everybody good looks and make sure that you're making everybody else better on offense and not necessarily on defense, but just really being able to initiate the offense for your second unit is something that's probably undervalued in terms of, like, being, like, a really high-level backup point guard. How would you compare him to TJ McConnell? Um, say it's probably a fair comparison. I, I think McConnell's probably a little bit better of a defender, and um, McDowell White's probably a little bit better of like an overall scorer in terms of especially like finishing at the rim. And it did have a good pull up shot, but we'll see how it goes now with his form not being too with his, him reworking his form but um I think it's a decent comparison you can make I'd probably go with like um I've talked about it with Milos probably like a actually a, like a Milos comparison <laughs> <laughs> get it hey but yeah I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on him or what yeah I think he would be a decent uh backup point guard uh I think that's worth maybe a second round pick if uh depending on the team but he could also fall i think outside the draft just because of 
some of the concerns that I think Ricky and Milos have already raised about the backup point guards. And while I agree with you that I don't know that all of them are a dime or a dozen because I do think there are people, there are backup point guards that can stand out. And the ones that usually do, I think are the four generals that can play at least a little bit of defense and shoot a little bit. Uh, and McDowell White seems to fill that uh, role, especially, you know, how you hype him up. So I could be biased just from your bias, honestly. Yeah, speaking of, uh, speaking of Connor's bias, uh, for those listening who don't know, Connor has had contact with William McDowell White's agent. Ooh, so tampering. right there. <laughs> I don't know if I could trust his opinion. <laughs> Connor's a mouthpiece. I am fully, I am fully in on William McDowell White, no matter what. I was in before the contact. Well, I, I am out here saying William McDowell White is trash, and I hope his agent blocks me on Twitter. Oh man, he's trying to go for the block. I, I, I like the boldness. I will say, if if Connor's a McDowell White mouthpiece, I, I may become a Killian Hayes mouthpiece in the very near future. So keep your eyes out for my takes. They might not be trustworthy. <laughs> hey, at least it comes with the disclaimer. Connor, who's your second name? Uh, yeah, second name I'm going to go with is Lindell Wigington from uh, Iowa State. Just touching on another uh, guy who was sort of like a fringy prospect last year. Um, I wrote a piece on Linda Wigington, quick little plug right there at the 94 feet report. But um, I think his shooting just really stands out. I put him next to um, on a lot of the, in a lot of like the opening comparisons, as far as shooting, I put him like next to Shake Milton, Landry Shamit and Kevin Herter. And even though those guys don't have the size that, um, that have the size that Wigington doesn't, I think that at the worst, your main appeal with them is that they're really good shooters and they're somebody that you're going to know, you know is going to knock down an open shot and is going to space the floor at some high level, even if you're lower on all of their other ancillary skills. But I think he really stands out from the rest of them. Um, not really from the rest of them by being like unique, but um, I think that when you're 6'2 like that, a lot of people want to pigeonhole you into like your position as like a lead guard. But I don't think that it's entirely impossible for him to fit next to a guy that's like a bigger ball handler that we see more and more often nowadays and really just space the floor and be an option that can attack closeouts. He's got a pretty nice pull-up jump shot. Um, needs to work on just like his overall mid-range game, but uh, finishes really well at the rim and pulls up from three very well. Um, on defense, I think he's just, you know, kind of going to be average. Um, he to not really stand out in that area, but doesn't really make you feel uncomfortable about him. Um, but in this class too, um, there's not a lot of guard depth. And that's something that I was going to say real quick was you might see a lot of these like different, like backup point guard type roles get taken sort of later in the second round, because there's virtually like, no, you could make an argument that you're not going to rank a single uh, point guard in the top third. But I think that he just has a pretty safe floor, just being a really nice floor spacer next to like a larger ball handler. And I think that safe floors are going to be kind of hard to come by, especially after like the top 10. Does his free throw shooting concern you as far as keeping that three-point shooting consistent and translating it to the next level? I don't think so. 
I think his numbers, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, I don't have an exact number, but his numbers in high school were pretty good, not from the line, but necessarily, but from three. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot it as well as he does from like pulled up to Stephen shot chart. And I, he had like, I think the second best NBA range three point shot. If you shoot it as well on such a high volume that he did, I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of a concern if you're taking like two a game, but he was taking like five, three over five threes a game. And if you're taking over five threes a game and still shooting over 40%, like I really not concerned that you can't shoot. That's fair. Anyone else have anything to say about Wigington? I have thankfully watched almost none, uh, not a single second of the Iowa state games. So when I was hearing all this buzz about Linda Wigginton after the end of the year, I was like, oh, shoot, did I miss something? Did I, did I miss a prospect? And it turns out I have. So my take is that I'm agreeing wholeheartedly with Connor's take. Okay. And Ricky? Um, I mean, I'm always inherently a little bit skeptical of combo types that are undersized. Um, I, I think he's 6'2". Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean – uh, yeah, obviously, you know, um, the shooting is a really valuable strength to have. Um, and I think I agree with you. It makes sense that he could slot in effectively as a, I guess, a scalable point guard alongside maybe a point forward type. Just how common are those types of players? Um, I'm not really sure, uh, like, how necessarily valuable he's going to be in that kind of a role um, as, like, a potential, I don't know, high second-round pick um, type of guy. Um, but um, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. I'm. I'm not. I don't think I'm quite as high on him as you are. But I, I think you made a pretty good case in your article. So that he did. Ricky, uh, give us your first name. Well, I'm definitely really excited um, for Zoran Panovich uh, to really get some um, quality film of him. Hopefully, with the U18s coming up, Serbia. The Serbia roster is released and he's on it. So we're going to get to watch a good amount of him. He was pretty awesome at the Adidas Next Generations tournament. I mean, um, the things that popped him are kind of the explosive athleticism, I'd say, especially uh, like as far as his first step goes. The the rise he gets on his pull-up jumper I think is really impressive. Um, he's got a pretty tight handle. He likes to use hang dribbles and then kind of uses that burst to get past guys, I think, pretty effectively. Um, he gets from um, his dribble to a shot really quickly. I mean, his actual shooting effectiveness hasn't been that great necessarily. He gets a little bit, I think, out of control and off balance sometimes just because of, like, I think he tries to decelerate maybe faster than he can, like, keep himself under control sometimes. I think one concern is his finishing around the rim, especially, like, among the trees. He doesn't really get a lot of elevation off of one, especially in traffic, considering, like, the explosiveness he gets in, like, other uh, environments. Um, I, he's got, uh, I think, a pretty good amount of defensive upside for his for his archetype. He's flashed a little bit of um, rotation ability, like, weak side rim protection ability, which is pretty impressive for a guy, like, of his size, like, or even just rotating down from the perimeter, recovering for blocks, that sort of thing. He's got pretty solid awareness. As far as passing goes, he's more of like a – he like you see him make some flashy passes, but he's not really a high leverage passer necessarily, so not much of a creator type. Um, but he, he he's capable of making some pretty interesting reads. He can He's got a relatively advanced pick-and-roll game, can make a pocket pass, put his man in jail. Um, and I think the um, – 
I think one of the biggest takeaways with him is his competitiveness. He plays really, really hard on both ends of the ball. Even if like the overall decision-making isn't there, it can be a little bit erratic at times. I think it's a really interesting package, and I'm, I'm excited to watch him. All right, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I haven't seen him. Connor, go. I'm really – like I don't have any thoughts Ricky just gave. I think I've seen like one, one like not even a whole game – at the most, um, I think Ricky just gave probably the best breakdown that you could find at this point on Zoran Potovich. So I'm I not really going to try so. to add anything onto that. I would definitely assume so. But if Milos wants to top it, that would be welcome. Yeah, I've watched, you know, I would say 35 U12 Angolan FIBA <laughs> games. So I'm, I, I'm just an expert on, on Zoran Potovich. I mean, come on. You know, uh, that's me right here. But in all seriousness, I, I don't – he could have honestly just made up a name and just started talking about him, and I would just wholeheartedly think that this guy was the next Luka Doncic over here. I mean, that was unbelievable. He, Ricky just went on for like three minutes and described his entire basketball career to me. So I'm, might, I'm adding – actually be his cousin. <laughs> I really wouldn't doubt it. I'm adding him, I'm adding him to, my, to my list right now. Zoran Palmovich. All right. Well, that's my that's my hot take. Is he's right. might be a twelve year old. All right, Ricky, introduce us to an entirely new prospect again. Um, I'm gonna go with Alexa Radinov. I was talking about him a lot, like on Twitter recently. I think in the group DM too. Um, I mean, I'm probably like the king of Alexa Radinov Hill at this point, and I m- might be overreacting a little bit. He just had a really, really awesome Ricky, game. Ricky, against- I really think that I'm king of Alexa. Pad, pad, pad him off. <laughs> I'm, I'm no, on that hill right now. No, but for real though, like that game uh, against France, like I, I think the thing with him is he gets a little bit underrated just because he's a ridiculously passive player. Like he turns down, like he literally, I can't remember which game this was at the U20s, but he just straight up dropped a guy, like absolutely like embarrassed him. And he had a wide open jumper, his feet set and everything. It was literally, it looked like, like when James Harden crossed up Wesley Johnson and just like stared at him for a minute, except instead of taking the shot, he just passed it to a guy who wasn't open. It was just, he does really frustrating stuff like that sometimes because he's really, really talented. Um, but that game against France where he was just guarded by DK Diawara and was literally just absolutely embarrassing him, like in every conceivable way, it was just like posting him up, taking him off the dribble, just like just beating the hell out of him. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, finish like uh, he's got a little bit of a post game he's got pretty good body control around the rim um the shooting percentages haven't really been there for him but i think the mechanics look fine i think he can be a good shooter for sure um i think he's made a lot of interesting passes and he's a really underrated athlete too um i I think he's honestly a pretty similar athlete to luka Doncic, where it's not like he's necessarily going to be just like wowing you with his first step all the time and just blowing by guys like that but i think what he does have combined with like, he's got a pretty solid frame and functional strength. Um, I think he can be a really interesting wing prospect, especially at his size. Um, he can really elevate in space. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I, I just like him a lot. I think he could be a real second round prospect. So um, I, I think people should pay attention to him a little more. I agree. People should definitely pay attention to any of these players that you're talking about. Cause you seem to, no, a lot of stuff about these players that nobody's ever heard of. 
<laughs> Wait, well, I recommend watching them. I, I think they're good. I like them. The, the U20s uh, didn't have the – that wasn't like the – like I think the U18s are probably going to be a better competition to watch. I don't – like the U20s weren't like incredible in terms of like the NBA talent, but there was a lot of really fun games. That Israel team was awesome. Um, I, I think definitely worth watching some of those teams. Yeah, I'll definitely tune into uh, Israel versus Madagascar. You <laughs> thirteen and a half. I'll put that right on my DVR. Ricky. Uh, Connor, would you like to add anything? Uh, no. Again, this is <laughs> no. He's like Ricky. This is he killed the game again. This is another guy. Ricky. Ricky's taken over my job with like FIBA master, but I, I don't know why myself. I have you on here when I have Ricky. Come on, man. What are you doing? I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock myself in my room tonight and watch every FIBA game that I can. Right. Milos- Connor, you got Connor, you got to just start dropping hot takes with me. This is the only <laughs> way we stay relevant. No, I'm not, I'm not going to drop a, I'm not going to drop a hot take on a prospect that I'm about to inform about. I'm really He's the responsible one of us. Come on, y'all. All right. Uh, Milos, give us the, give us the last two prospects before we sign off. All right. Um, my thinking is here that I feel like we all got decent ideas about most prospects. So I'm going to go with one that's just going to get us a few page views. Uh, Lewis King, okay. uh, really active parents on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I think that just off of that alone, we could, you know, maybe get one, one extra view, maybe, maybe two. So uh, at least two what I, yeah, exactly. So we just put it in the, we just put his name in the description and then, it, we'll get it. We'll get a one listen. Um, so I have watched him uh, another another mixtape guy, but I've actually seen a little bit of him in person. Uh, Jersey kid. Uh, whenever I've watched him, he doesn't really impress me. Um, he's just he, he seems he strikes me as someone who does a lot of things well, but not a lot of things really well. You know, he's he's long. He can has a frame that's going to fill out. Um, has has a lot of skills on a basic sort of level, I'm just questioning how much he can really put it all together and improve in, in the real fungible aspects of his game. But I'd, I'd welcome some 2019 critiquing by Connor Haar, who seems to be very high on him and Ricky, who might've been too busy watching uh, international talent. So. Hey, now Connor watches a lot of international talent too. No, Ricky, R- Ricky's kicking my butt right now. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I've been way too busy watching freaking AAU tournaments. Hey, but, I mean, for what it's worth, I probably should have like watched more of these high school guys leading up to to this pod because I I feel woefully unprepared. Um, but I just like couldn't help. I I, I watched like there were like at least two or three Israel U20 games that I watched multiple times um, when I probably should have just been watching like RJ Barrett or some shit. I think I've seen more Yovel Zusman than RJ at this point, which is probably, <laughs> probably not you good. You have these names. That's a real guy. That sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. <laughs> he is. He's very good. <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, so that that was probably irresponsible on my part. But um, I'm not very high on Lewis King. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I like I, I like the idea of Lewis King, and I think like you know I was really high on him to start out with, and then Milos kind of brought me down to earth on him. I probably you know just got probably like four games in of his uh, AAU team with Reddish uh, team final on Flow Hoops, but. Um, 
I think that he has a chance to be actually a very good player. Um, if he sh- ever shoots it well on a consistent basis, I think that really opens up his opens up his game. Um, I've seen people concerned about his finishing. He did not finish well at all in his AAU film, but uh, when I watched him play with uh, Hudson Catholic, I caught a game, I think a game or two, uh, live this year. Uh, he was pretty good, and he looked noticeably bigger than he was um, in AAU. He's really frail and skinny in AAU. I know he's coming off an injury. I don't remember what injury it was, to be specific. But um, those guys always really intrigue me, those guys that can do a lot of things well. Um, I'm probably higher on his overall athleticism and athletic ability. But when he's on, I wouldn't, like, put it past him being, like, a top, like, 10 and coming freshman, but it's just a matter of how consistently he can put his game together scoring wise. And if he's ever going to, you know, lose his tunnel vision and just, you know, try to make a passing read every once in a while, that'd be nice too. And um, really, uh, I think he's got a lot of defensive potential, but it's remained to be seen. He's really just bad off ball. And you try not to read a lot too much into like off ball defense and AAU. A lot of times teams sit in zones. A lot of times teams run junkie traps, all kinds of stuff. But uh, he was, like, noticeably bad. So I'm definitely, like, taking that into consideration. But it's something we'll have to see at Oregon if he's able to sort of figure it out off ball. I think that'll be another big contributor. But his uh, three-point shot is the main thing that I'm going to be looking for if he can get that down at a consistent basis. Man, I hope if Paris to listen to this, we're definitely not getting a retweet. <laughs> All right, Avilos, you got another name, or are we good for the night? You're no, I, I got one real quick. Uh, Zach Norvell has been someone that I've been – I've had him as highest in the 20s, and then there's some times where I don't think he's worth a, a draft pick at all. I've mentioned uh, I don't really have a, have a thing for backup guards, but I think Norvell, he strikes me as a lot like uh, – what's his name? The guy who just got drafted by the, the Suns, the backup point guard. The international kid? Akobo. Yeah. Akobo. Eli, Eli Akobo. Yeah, they strike me as very similar, both big-time shot makers. Uh, Norvell single-handedly kept them in the Ohio State game in the tourney. Uh, I believe he hit two threes towards the end of the game that just pushed him over the edge. I, he makes some shots where you're just mind-blown at the fact that he hits 35-footers with a hand in his face. The problem with him is he'll just come down the floor and take the exact same shot and miss it terribly. He just seems to me to have no idea of how to make the smart play on a basketball court. So he's either another combo or just a really crappy point guard. So I've been back and forth on him so much because I think he's got the potential to be like really good, like potential star equity. But then he just comes back with flashes where he is horrid. So I was wondering if any of you guys have some, have some takes on him. That's a hot take. Star equity. Yeah, I'm just a big fan of his shot making. Maybe I've only watched the good games, but I'll see him take the ball up, dribble down court, and just pull up with a hand in his face like he, like he's playing one on five. So there's a did lot of watch, things. Did you watch a lot of games from the beginning of the season? Uh, Connor, I don't even remember right now, man. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> Connor's giving him the, the, the shakedown. Yeah, Connor. I totally get it. I mean, I know there's people that are definitely very in on Norvell. I just um, – I think that 
sort of at the end of the year, he kind of hit like a hot stretch, especially like in the conference tournament and in the NCAA tournament where everything feels like so, and not for Milos, because I know he's better than that to just like magnify the whole NCAA tournament. <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally not, dude. You can you can be real with me. I had I moved Malik Newman up to the end of the first round after his uh, his tourney stretch. <laughs> so I'm not the one to to, to talk about. That. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't I don't think that he's not a prospect at all. I think he's actually a pretty good on ball defender, and I think that's probably what I like the most about him right now, other than his overall shot making. I like to see him sort of do this on a little more of a consistent basis. Um, again, to me, not a guy that creates a whole lot of separation. And I'm not high on projecting really tough shot makers in college if they don't create a decent amount of separation. Um, that's really, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on Norvell since I really didn't give him like a hard look until uh, really the end of the season when he was playing his best basketball because sort of like in the beginning and middle of the season, he was an interesting player, but not really someone that I would have ranked in the beginning of the season in like my top 60 last year. All right, Ricky, make or break his dreams on Norvell. I think he's a better prospect than Lonnie Walker. Um, That's where I had them ranked last year. So for what it's worth, I would feel the same way, and I think being that caliber of prospect in last year's draft takes you to probably the lottery um, of this year's draft. Um, I, I'm somewhat high in him, but I'm a little bit cautious of, like, my general, like, sentiment towards him because I know he did sort of go on a hot streak, which is probably, like, that's probably the majority of his film that I saw. So I'm I'm trying to sort of, like, temper myself a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, the shot making, obviously impressive. On-ball defense, impressive. I think he's probably Gonzaga's uh, second-best prospect. Um, that's probably probably like right after Tilly. Um, Ricky so, hates Rui. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say I hate Rui. I actually think I'm probably higher on him than a lot of people. He, he's low-key one of those really polarizing guys. It seems like I like some people like think he's like the fifth best guy on his own team other people have him in like the top 10 so <laughs> I don't I, I don't know um, he might be the most like there might be the most variance with him like versus like any other prospect um, in this draft but um, but yeah no I like more about for what it's worth uh, yeah I, I think I have seen a ton of variance in Rui's ranking too so I think I agree with you on that but we're almost at two hours now recording so I'm gonna go ahead and Give each of y'all a chance to uh, plug some work, plug your Twitter handle, whatever you want to do, and then I'll get us out of here. Milos, start us out. All right. Um, if anyone in the world is still listening right now, uh, you can. I'm going to plug my real Twitter. Um, that's huge right now. I've never, never given this out. Follow me on my real Twitter, at jgomes, J-G-O-M-E-S, two underscores at the end. I, I, if you're still listening, you you deserve the world in my eyes. So shout out you for still listening. To Ricky, yeah. If you if you're still listening to this pod, you're you're probably either asleep or just an absolute champ. Um, but I will plug myself anyways. My Twitter is at Skrika One. Um, I am writing for Nylon Calculus. I am writing for the Stepian. Me and Ignacio are going to be working on. We're collaborating on some scouting reports for the U18s coming up. So keep 
your eyes out for that. We're going to try to be, since there's two of us doing it, we're going to try to be really, really comprehensive um, and, you know, get something on anyone who's even remotely relevant. Um, so, yeah, um, like I said, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, we both also recently did U17 stuff. He had more U.S. guys come out. I only had like three U.S. guys on mine um, because I honestly didn't watch too much of Team USA. Um, I did more international you'd guys. Watch, you'd rather watch Team Madagascar. I understand, man. Well, I, I actually I watched quite a bit of Mali, uh, who I thought were a really interesting team. Mali actually, awesome. Yes, yes, they really were. I think there's they're honestly like I seriously recommend watching that team because they're kind of fascinating. Dude, I mean, Omar yeah. Bio is like that's the, the the guy who gets hyped a lot. I don't think he's an NBA prospect. He could be an interesting. Um, productive college big at some level maybe um Sirman Canute is just the most ridiculous gunner point guard like even like literally like those two players like not even accounting for like on-court off-court stuff they took like more than half of uh Molly's shots overall like you gotta just stop, ab- stop plugging these fake names man <laughs> <laughs> no seriously though Canute like honestly like he he's shown some like flashes of being a legitimate like like scoring guard prospect, like just the the body control, like finishing around the rim and like in contact is really impressive for a guy's size. But like, I mean, the efficiency is just so absolutely insanely terrible. Um, I just don't think, like, I didn't write anything about him because I don't think there's really any legitimacy to his, his like prospect case. The, I think the best prospect on Mali is is low key Laji Dembele, who I felt oh, really Laji validated. Dembele? You think it's the best prospect? <laughs> Yes. No, because um, I, I think that's the best Milanese prospect, in, especially in that age range right now. Um, and I felt really validated. I can't remember if it was Gavoni or Schmitz who did a write-up and mentioned him. And I was like, yes, I knew that guy was good. And someone agrees with me. Um, so keep your eye out for him because he was, I, I think, 14 during the tournament was his listed age. So um, I thought he flashed some interesting like feel elements, some coordination elements. Um, and it's just got a really nice, like, size, height, and length for his position. So, um, yeah, definitely got a track over the next, like, um, we'll probably get drafted in maybe, like, eight years. So, we'll see. Oh, my goodness. Connor, tell us where they can find your stuff. <laughs> I just want to vouch for Ricky real quick that that ba- Molly team was absolutely f- crazy to watch. It was very entertaining basketball. But, um Anyways, you follow me on Twitter at Harconner. Um, working on a lot of uh, EYBL player reviews, and uh, I'll have a lot of that out shortly. I'm doing pool A right now from the Peach Jam, about halfway, more than halfway done with it. Probably got like one more team left to watch, and just uh, be on the lookout for that. I'm doing a lot of AAU stuff lately. Got to get back into FIBA stuff because obviously I'm very behind. Connor, you are not behind on anyone scouting. Stop it. But uh, you can find my stuff at, at HoopsMetrox, H-O-O-P-S-M-E-T-R-O-X. And I don't really have any new stuff out lately besides this podcast. And you've already listened to this, so I can't really plug it to you now. But uh, anyways, have a great night.